Uh, we're going to st- turn to Job chapter 19 uh, this evening. Job chapter 19, and we'll read together the first three verses, and then we'll go to the verse uh, 21 to read the remainder of the chapter. Job chapter 19 in the verse 1. Then Job answered and said, How long will ye vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times have ye reproached me. Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourselves strange to me. Job speaking to his so-called friends here. Job has went through an awful time of trials and lost everything that he had done. Uh, These friends, instead of coming uh, to bring him a word of comfort, they come to accuse him. And it's little wonder Job said of them, miserable comforters are ye. And I think these men have had families, and their families have had families, because there's still men like Job's friends uh, about nowadays. And you're going through trouble, and you hate to see them coming, because uh, they bring misery on to misery. Instead of bringing comfort, uh, they brought him heartache and more misery and pain. These ten times, he says, have ye reproached me? Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourselves strange to me. But then he turns to the Lord and he says in verse 21, Have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O ye my friends. For the hand of God hath touched me. Why do ye persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were now written, oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. But ye should say, Why persecute we him, seeing the root of the matter is found in him? Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishments of the sword, that ye may know that there is a judgment. Amen. And may God bless to our hearts the reading of his word this evening. Job was one of the godliest men that ever lived. One of the godliest men, I believe, that we read of in the Scriptures. Is there another man? Uh, Throughout the Scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, has a testimony written in the Word of God, inscribed in the rock, like Job had. Indeed, there's a definite that Job was the godliest man alive in his day and in his generation. And even though Job was a very wealthy man, Job hadn't allowed his wealth to lead him away from God, as is often is the case when people get wealth and affluence, it tends to lead them away from God. There's no greater danger than the danger of riches. But not so with Job, even though he was a wealthy man. Job never lost sight of God. He still followed close to the Lord. In spite of his wealth, Job walked close with God. Indeed, in Job chapter 1, verse 8, we have God's account of Job's testimony. For there we read in verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, 
Hast thou considered my servant Job? Now this is God's testimony of Job. There is none like him in the earth. That's why I say he was the godliest man in his day. He was the godliest man in his generation. For God said there is none like him in the earth. A a perfect and an upright man. One that feareth God and escheweth evil. Job was a a godly man. A a, a God-fearing man. A man who shunned evil. Loved that which was good. And so Job was the type of a man whom the devil, whom Satan, whom the serpent uh, loves to attack. And in answer to the Lord, uh, the devil said to him, he says, oh, but hold on, doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him? Now, I want you to notice what the devil says here. Doth Job fear God for naught or for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Now let me stop at this verse for a moment. For this verse teaches us how that, that God can close us into himself. God can close us into a place of safety. God can put a hedge about us can plant a hedge of protection about us. Look at what it says about his house. So God can put a hedge not only about us personally, but he can put a hedge about our house. He can put a hedge about our family. And God can do more. God can put a hedge about our business as well. And that's what we constantly need to pray for. That God would plant a hedge uh, about us. Maybe you're sitting in the prayer meeting uh, and you hear somebody praying, Lord, put a hedge about the place tonight. Well, that's scriptural. That's what we need to pray for. Fathers, the head of the home, that's what you need to pray for the home. That God would put a hedge about the home. That God would put a hedge uh, about the family to protect them uh, from the attacks of the evil one. But God can not only protect us, but God, as we see here, can bless us. Uh, And he is the only one who can really bless the labor of our hands. We may do the work. We can work hard. But at the end of the day, uh, without the Lord, without the blessing of God, it's nothing. The work is in vain. We need the Lord to bless the labor of our hands. If we're going to prosper, God must give it to us. Never be afraid to ask the Lord to put a hedge all around you and your family and and even your work and even your business. But never let work and business and prosperity take you away from the Lord. That's a danger. But there's nothing wrong with asking God uh, to put a hedge about that which you have and that which God has given you. Never be afraid to ask the Lord to bless the labor of your hands, especially your labor for him. But notice the devil accused Job of only following the Lord for what he could get out of it. The devil said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Or for nothing, we would say. And then the devil challenged God regarding Job, saying, He said to God, Put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Uh, The devil says, Uh, To the Lord, he says, you you touch Job, 
and he'll forsake you. He'll even curse you to your face. But do you notice this? God wouldn't touch Job, his servant. God didn't touch his child. You see, God will chasten his backslidden children. Oh yes, God will do that. And he'll do it out of love to bring them back into his way again. uh, And back into fellowship. Yes, God will discipline. God will chasten uh, the backslider. But Job wasn't backslidden. He was a man who feared God and eschewed evil. So God wouldn't touch him for no reason. God wouldn't chasten him uh, without a purpose or just because the devil had challenged him to do so. But notice this. In verse 12 we read, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold that he hath, all that he hath, is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Satan went forth to to test Job. God wouldn't do it because Job wasn't backslidden. But God gave Satan permission to do it. Why the Lord wouldn't touch Job himself to hurt him. He, He gave the devil permission to touch Job to test him. But God would only allow the devil to go so far. And I want you to notice this. That even though the devil took everything from Job. God said you not touch him. Not touch his life. And the devil couldn't go any further. Than God had permitted him to do. But the devil was quick to go uh, from the presence of the Lord. And the devil was quick to attack Job. And the devil was quick to touch Job. And to torment him. To take all that he had away. Oh, I tell you this evening. When we walk as close to God as Job did. And the closer that we walk with God, the quicker the devil will be to attack us. The devil will never attack a sleeping dog. But if we're walking with the Lord. And if we're serving God. Well, then you can be sure that the devil will be quick to attack us. But the wonderful thing is this. And you need to remember this. That the devil can only go as far as God permits him to. He's sovereign. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's God of all gods. And the the devil cannot take one inch more than God allows him to do. Before the Lord does give the devil that permission, the Lord gives his people the strength and the grace to withstand all the temptations and the trials the devil can cast at us, even as he did with Job. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, we are promised that God will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. God will restrict the devil. He'll not be able to do to us. But God will not give us the grace and the strength to withstand. But I want you to notice something more. For not only did Job face the trials of the devil and the loss of everything that he had at the devil's hand, but Job had to face the accusations. 
He had to deal with the criticism of his so-called friends, his erstwhile friends, because they assumed that Job had committed some awful sin in the past, some secret sin. They assumed that he had committed some iniquity to deserve all the hardship that he was going through. Now, they were completely wrong. They had made assumptions. And let me say to you this evening, be careful of making assumptions against any child of God, against anyone. Never go on assumptions. All you need to have the facts. But here was Job and his, his friends have assumed that he's guilty of some secret sin. And they have assumed that this is why all these hardships are coming upon Job at this time. And so Job, while he was crushed by the devil, here he is, he's abandoned by his friends. Yet for all of that, Job never lost his faith. And he never lost his hope in God. For out of the midst of his fiery trials... Job proclaimed in our text here this evening, he says, I know. This is a man that's in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the trials. He's a man in the midst of, uh, of when he's lost everything. And yet he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth of the last day. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Though my reins be consumed within me. This was Job's hope in the midst of his trials. He says, one day I'll see God. One day I'll see God. And you know, this is the hope of every believer in the midst of their trials. In the midst of all the tribulations of life. Listen, brother, sister, we have a blessed hope. One day, trials and the tribulations of this life will be over. For one day, we will see the Lord. We will see the King in all his glory. And we're going to be with him. And so tonight I want us to consider... The hope of every child of God. And listen, if you're not saved tonight, this is the hope that you can have. This is the hope that you will have if you would only turn away from your sin and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. You listen to the hope of every believer tonight and ask yourself, is that what I want? If it's what you want, then tonight you put your faith in Christ. Now firstly, notice the confidence of Job in the midst of his troubles. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Job's confidence was in who? It was in Christ, the Redeemer of men. And the only Redeemer of men, amidst all his troubles and trials, Job, what had he done? He had kept his eyes upon the Lord. He wasn't like David who ran down to Gath and Achish. He wasn't like Peter who looked at the wind and the waves. No, Job kept his eye upon the Lord. And it was the sight of the Savior that filled his eye, that enabled him to endure all the hardships of life. Everything that the devil threw at him, it was because his eye was in the Lord 
that he was able to endure it all. We think of Peter. He stepped out of the boat to walk on the water, come to Christ. And for as long as Peter kept his eyes upon the Lord, Peter could walk on the water. He could walk on the waves. He could walk on the troubles. He was able to overcome the storm. As long as he kept his eye on the Lord, like Job did. But the moment that Peter took his eyes off the Lord and looked at the waves... He began to sing. Can you imagine what would have happened, Job, if he had took his eyes off the Lord, listened to his friends, and looked at his troubles? Job would have failed, but he didn't. Job kept his eyes on the Lord, and he walked in the storm. You know, that's what happens to us all when we take our eyes off the Lord and look at the circumstances. You know, that's... Uh, the human thing to do, we, our, our heads droop and our eyes fall. Uh, and you know, the moment that we do, we begin to sink. The moment that we take our eyes off the Lord, we begin to feel, we begin to worry, and we begin to backslide. Let me encourage us all, as, even as we try to do this morning, even though the winds may blow, and even though the waves of trouble and trial and tribulation and hardship and persecution, even though the waves rise up against us, even though the trials are, are, are tough and the tribulations are severe, keep your eyes on the Lord. That's what Job did. That's how Job got through. That's how Job survived. And listen, brother and sister, in the storms of life, that's the only way that we can survive. Keep our eyes upon the Lord. Oh, yes, learn this sweet text and be able to say with Job, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And though after my skin destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Job's confidence was in the Lord. But look at Job's confidence itself. Job said, I know. I know. This was something that Job was confident about. He was sure about. There was no ifs. There was no buts. There was no maybes. Job was sure. He was confident about this thing. Ifs, buts, maybes. What are they? They are the destroyers. They are the murderers, the robbers of peace and comfort in the believer's heart. Doubts are like wasps. That sting the heart. Doubts are like wasps that sting the mind and the soul of men. And they rob us of our peace. The child of God, don't let ifs and buts and maybes get into your thinking. Just you stay like Job and say, I know, I know this. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that I shall see God. But Job had an unwavering faith in God. In the midst of his troubles, he says, I know. Don't let the troubles of life rob you of your confidence in God. Don't let the tribulations of this world rob you of that peace that is within, child of God. Don't let the tribulations rob you of the assurance of salvation. But notice what he knew. 
Uh, we see his confidence is in God. We see his, the, 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 the measure of his confidence. He's, con- he's sure about it. But uh, notice what he knew. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Uh, Job knew that he was saved. He called the Savior. He says, he's my Redeemer. Not the Redeemer, but he's my Redeemer. I wonder, can you say that tonight? Yes, you know that Christ is the Redeemer of men. And the only Redeemer, the only Savior of sinners. But listen, can you say tonight, with your hand on your heart, can you say, oh, he's mine? He's more than the Redeemer. He's my Redeemer. Can you say that tonight? If not, you're missing out. Uh, And if not, you've been robbed of the peace of God that passeth all understanding. You've been robbed of it, but you can have it. If you'll only put your faith and trust in Christ. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He knew he was saved. Uh, And that's what's wonderful about this text. Job's personal relationship with the living God. In the midst of all that he was going through, he still believed with all his heart. He says, I might be going through this difficulty, but I'm still a child of God. I'm not forsaken, and I'm not forgotten. He says, I'm still a child of God, and nothing can pluck me out of his hand. That's good to remember in times of troubles, hardships, trials, whatever form they take. Always remember this if you're saved. That we are a child of God. We're a child of the King. Joint heirs with Christ. And the Savior says, And no one can pluck them out of my hand. It's good to remember this, that God is our Heavenly Father. And that He will never forsake His child. God will never forsake us. He'll never disown us. And thank God He'll never fail us. He says he has promised. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But he will be with us in the trial. Even as he was with Daniel in the lion's den. Even as he was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. God will be with us in the midst of the trial. And God can bring us through. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Through the valley. Oh, listen, if we keep our eyes on the Lord, he can bring us through. Job could say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He had this personal relationship with God. David likewise could say, the Lord is my shepherd. A personal relationship with God. And tonight, if we're saved and born again, washed and redeemed with the precious blood, we can say the Lord is my Redeemer. We can say with Job, I know that my Redeemer liveth. We can say with David, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, it's wonderful to have that personal saving relationship with God, to know and to have this confidence. But let's go a little further with What Job said, he says, I know that my Redeemer, Job called him my, that's his personal relationship. He says he's my Redeemer. Job knew 
And that he had a redeemer, one on his side, who could and would champion his cause, one who would vindicate him at the end of the matter. Job's, as I said, Job's so called friends accused Job of so many things which Job was not guilty of at all. Uh, they made dreadful assumptions about Job and they accused him of, of terrible sins. Uh, and poor Job could, could not avenge himself. Uh, Job could not clear his good name. But Job was confident that God would avenge him. And that God, who had already redeemed him, he says, my redeemer, he knew that God, who had already redeemed him, would also redeem his good name and would vindicate him at the end. You know, what a wonderful thought that is. You know, at times, people, friends, will, will blacken us, and there's nothing we can do about it. But we don't need to do anything about it, really. For God, who has redeemed us, same God will vindicate us. God will avenge us against all our enemies. Psalm 118 in the verse 6, the psalmist says, The Lord is on my side. He's on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. You know, so often when trials, troubles, tribulations come, you know, we're human and the Lord knows our freedom. But we do go to pieces. And so often in the midst of the storm, the winds of adversity, the blow our faith to pieces. We look at the circumstances and we take our eyes off the Lord, we lose sight of him. And then we fall to bits. And then we go to despair and end up in bitterness and backslidden. Rather, we should be like Job, keeping our eyes on the Lord and our confidence in him. Then the Lord will bring us through. This is the hope and the confidence of every believer. We can say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And you know, with a hope like that, Trials of life are quenched. And our strength is renewed. And so I say again, brother, sister, amidst the troubles and the trials of life, keep your eyes upon the Lord. The psalmist says in Psalm 42, verse 11, Hope thou in God. Trust not in man, but hope thou in God. You're not saved tonight. Where do you go to when troubles come? When the doctor gives you that news and it's not good, who do you turn to? Well, listen, tonight, turn to Christ. Turn to the Lord. Be able to say with Job, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he can keep you not only in life, he can keep you in death. And he have you in eternity and glory. The confidence of Job in the midst of his trials. But then secondly, notice the assurance of Job 
in the midst of his trials. Job was confident, as we've said, that he belonged to the Lord. He knew he was a child of God. Uh, And thus, he believed that God would help him, and God did. He believed that God would keep him, and God did. In the midst of all his trials, God didn't forsake his child. And in redeeming him, he knew that God would vindicate him against the false accusations of his so-called friends, and God did. But Job was sure about something else. And the wonderful thing is that even though he's way back in the Old Testament, he's sure not only of the first coming of Christ, the advent of Christ, but he's sure of the second coming of Christ. In verse 25 he said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and notice what he says, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job, by faith, saw the second coming of Christ in the latter or the last day. When Christ would stand upon the earth and when his feet would stand upon the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem. He doesn't talk about the latter days. He's not talking about the earthly ministry of Christ. He says, he shall stand at the latter day. This is the second coming. And here Job's pointing to a victorious Savior. The Savior who was crucified and whose name and whose people have been abused and trampled on. Well, at the latter day, he'll stand upon the earth, a victorious Savior. He'll come in victory. And then... On that day, the obstinate knees, those who will not bend the knee to him now and accept him as a savior, you know, on that day, but they'll be too late. But on that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they're too late. The day of grace is over. The Lord has come in judgment, not in, uh, in mercy, in judgment. Listen, don't leave until the Lord's come and think you'll get saved on the day of his coming. No, but too late. One day too late. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Uh, But whenever the Lord comes again, uh, a victorious king, he says, it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This was the assurance that Job had. And with an assurance like this, Job's heart, in the midst of his troubles, is lifted up. And Job is encouraged when he thinks of the second coming of Christ and going to be with the Lord for all eternity. Job's encouraged in the Lord, even in the midst of his trials. Oh, brother, sister, uh, in the day in which we live, Christians are being trampled upon every day. Oh, we see the awful shame yesterday. Uh, And the child of God that's standing to take a witness for Christ, they're abused. It's almost a crime. It is a crime to stand up for what we believe in. Others can do what they like and can parade where they like, but it's a crime for the child of God to stand up for what we believe in. We're accused of hate crime. And the truth is, we love them in the Lord. We hate their sin, but we love them in the Lord. But yet, we're, it's twisted and we're accused of hatred. 
It's a crime to stand up for what we believe in and to practice our faith in so many places. And indeed, we have to say that the day that we live in, if we took our eyes off the Lord, you know, it would weary us. And if we took our eyes off the Lord for a moment, you know, it would get us down. But amidst all of the troubles and trials, and amidst everything that is hurled against us as believers, thank God we have this assurance that our Savior one day, our Redeemer, one day will return in great power and glory. And all those who have been against us will tremble at the sight of the coming King. And they'll tremble in his presence. And everyone shall bow the knee and they shall acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what Job's doing here? In the midst of our troubles, he's pointing us to the coming victorious Savior. But Job had another assurance. And that was the resurrection of the saints. He not only believed in salvation and the second coming, he believes in the resurrection of the saints. You see what he says? In verses 26 and 27, Job said, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job was sure that even though he would die, and that even though the worms would destroy the earthly, the fleshly body, didn't the Lord say, uh, Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. That's true. The worms will destroy uh, this earthly body. Yet Job says, In my flesh. You see, Job believes in the glorified, resurrected body. And in that resurrected body, he would see God. Job knew. He believed that even if his trials should kill him, that still he would see the Lord for himself when he comes to stand in the latter day. Job believed in the second coming and he believed in the resurrection of the saints. What a hope that is in the midst of our troubles. What a hope that is for us all. In the midst of death, in the midst of sorrow. What a hope that is for us all when it comes our time to leave this old world behind. As far as the flesh is concerned, well, we're going to die. Uh, and this old body will be destroyed. But when the Savior comes to stand upon the earth, we will be raised up again in a resurrected body, in a glorified body, in a celestial body. Oh, listen, similar to the one that we have. Not the one that we have, but similar to it. When the Savior comes, he'll stand upon the earth. And we will be raised up again with this resurrected, glorified celestial body. In Zechariah 14, in the verse 4, we read of the second coming of Christ. Oh, there's many other places, of course, but in Zechariah 14, verse 4, we read that 
he'll stand victoriously upon the earth, upon Mount Olivet or the Mount of Olives. In Zechariah 14 verse 4 we read, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. God says it, I believe it. I believe that the Lord will literally stand on the Mount of Olives, which is before the Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. The Lord victorious is coming. The Lord will come in great power to deliver his people on that day and again the victory to rule and to reign upon the earth. But then when we compare the New Testament scriptures, we are reminded in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Here we have, in the New Testament as well, we have the resurrection of the saints, which is exactly what Job saw in the midst of his troubles. And with this assurance of the resurrection, mine eyes shall see the Lord. Job encouraged himself. And that's how he held on. That's how he overcame the troubles and the trials of life. And you know, brother and sister, we can do this again. And with these words, you know what the Lord says in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 18? He says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Oh, listen. Job says, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Oh, the worms will destroy the body, but this old body will be raised up an incorruptible body, and with eyes we shall see the Lord victorious. All is glory. When the archangel shouts and the trumpets blow, we'll rise up to meet the Lord in the air. Forever with the Lord. First Thessalonians 4. We have the resurrection of the saints. That's what Job saw. And that's what we see tonight. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 52 and 54, we have the assurance that we will have a resurrected, corrupt, incorruptible body. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 52 to 54, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound in the dead in Christ, uh, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. You see, mortal cannot dwell in glory. Corruption cannot dwell where God dwelleth. 
So corruption must put on incorruption. Mortal must put on immortality. And then he says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Here we are assured that one day, on that day, that Job speaks about, when the Savior comes again, we will be raised again and given an incorruptible, immortal, eternal, celestial, glorified body. Similar to this, but not this. And we shall see the Lord. And we shall go to be with the Savior. Oh, child of God, what a wonderful hope. How does not pour water on the fires of life? Have you got that hope tonight? Are you sealed? Are you born again? You know, which of us haven't trials to bear? Which of us doesn't have troubles to face in life? Everyone, everyone has their share of troubles and trials. But when you seem to be overwhelmed by them, and at that moment when you feel like giving up, oh, just remember what Job did in the midst of all his trials. He fixed his eyes upon the Lord and he renewed his faith in the living Redeemer. And instead of looking back at his troubles and instead of looking around him at his circumstances, he looked forward. Forward to the second coming of Christ. That's what we can do. That's what we must do in the midst of our troubles. Don't look at the storm. Don't listen to the wind. Don't look at the circumstances at your feet. Lift your eyes to the Savior. And remember, he giveth more grace. Remember, we have a wonderful hope. The trials and the tribulations of life, they're only temporal. Our hope in God is eternal. In the midst of your trials, keep your eyes upon the Lord and keep the faith. Keep holding on. The Lord's coming. He's coming to deliver us. And the Lord one day will deliver us and he'll vindicate us one day as he did vindicate Job at the last. Oh, you're not saved tonight. You say, Jeffrey, I would love to have that hope that you're speaking of. I would love to have that hope, that assurance that Job had. I have troubles. I have no one to turn to. You say, I have trials, but I have no one to confide in. You say, I'm going through the fire. I have no one to hold my hand. Well, tonight, reach out, put your hand into the nail-pierced hand. Make him your redeemer, your savior. He'll be that friend. I will bring you through and he'll take you home to glory.